right. Cool. <laughs> Dream, thank you for joining me on the pod today. Right. Thank How are you, so you doing? Much. I am doing awesome. You know I've been waiting to do this. Like... Hey, I'm glad you can make it. I'm glad we can make this happen. Yes. So, Jareem, I think you already know how the show uh, rolls. Before we get into the hot and heavy topics, mm. I just want to learn how Atlanta is Jareem Sharp. Mm. All right. So, um, let's see. It's a Friday night. Where are you hanging? Mm, Friday night. Um, just prob- got paid. Okay. 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 I live downtown, so I'm going to Edgewood. Um, All right. You'll find me at Edgewood um, regularly at Finn and Feathers. Um, Slush is my new place on Edgewood. Um, I'm big on frozen drinks. We'll talk about that maybe another time. So Slush is the new place. So I spend a lot of time on Edgewood, but um, I also like Thai food. That's something that Edgewood doesn't have quite yet. Maybe we can work on it, but um, you'll find me in Little Five Points um, getting Thai food over there. So And what's your spot time. for Thai um, it's right. I'm trying to think of the the name. Is it like of the it. green? It's like a green and white building. Mm, I know it's just a long alleyway, and you have to walk in. You have to walk up the stairs. Um, I think I know ooh, what it is. Five. I just I don't want yeah, to make of it. Up. it. Yeah. I go to all of them though. So I'm at Surin and Virginia Highlands. Also, yeah. Um, Thai Five. Um, what's the one off of um, off of not Crescent Piedmont? Coming up right next to Siva's. That's there. Okay. Like Thai Five. So any uh, Thai place you'll find me at anywhere in the city of Atlanta. Got it. When you're going out and you're having a drink, mm. what are you ordering? Always, always I'm getting a frozen drink. So anywhere that has a frozen drink, that's where you can find me. So <laughs> Slutty Vegan now has rolled out her like bar with all the... That's where I am, rather it's in the one on Westview or Edgewood. Um, what's the new place? Um, Bar Mercado. Oh, um, okay. I haven't been to Bar Vegan. No, Bar Mercado's my spot, though, off of Crog Street Market. I probably shouldn't say that, but... No, that's a fi- good one. $5 margaritas. I was there yesterday also. <laughs> so, yes, um, that's really where you'll catch me, and that's when I'm getting a frozen drink, for sure. All right. And when you want to listen to some good music, mm. what's the spot? You know, I'm home a lot. There's not really a spot I'm going to. I would say that I have a old school record player now. So if anything, but I collect more of a contemporary or modern um, collection. So if anything, you'll find me like at home on the record player playing SZA, um, maybe playing Drake's LP. Um, very, very modern. But that's where I'm going for music, um, if anything. SZA on the record player. The I record bet that player. sounds really good. Insecure's uh, first uh, Insecure show, their first, uh, have their first, uh, I guess, vinyl also with Jasmine Sullivan, one of my favorite artists of all times. So, yeah, that's what you, that's where I'm finding my music, what I'm doing. And on that music front, who's your favorite Atlanta musician? Atlanta musician? Hmm. Um... Singer, songwriter, performer. I am going to say I'm gonna I'm gonna really take the easy route and say Kanye West since he's he's oh, right right right. On. You know Kanye is really really my bro though he he's very. He Kanye is, he, doesn't rep Atlanta. He doesn't rep Atlanta. He's from Atlanta though. He really and truly is my favorite. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Um, All right, yeah. yay, yay. He's no longer Kanye. He's yay. You know, Kanye's always Kanye, y'all. Like <laughs> that's like Diddy is now love. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Gotta keep up, man. Yeah, I'm a millennial too. I I'm <laughs> completely missed that one. 
All right. Well, we'll let the voters decide and the viewers okay. decide just how Atlanta you are, Jareem. Cool. Thank you for uh, indulging us on that. So now let's talk a bit of, about who are you. Okay. Um, you are running for the post one seat. Uh, you're challenging incumbent along with a few other folks. Yes. So why are you running for office and who is Jareem Sharp? Who? Uh, why am I running for office? I'll start there. Um Right now, I, I very much feel like our city is at a crossroads. We are at a crossroads. And I've said this a million times. I feel we can either get on the right track or we can continue down the wrong track. When I look at all of our leadership, I don't necessarily look to criticize them. What I say is that Atlanta has changed a lot. Um, we've grown up in many ways into the city that maybe we've always thought we were this world-class city where now we really do want bike lanes and bus lanes and people are walking different places. So I think for a long time, we've had this kind of two Atlantas, the Northeast and the Southwest. But over the last 10 years, especially since the Beltline has come, there's been this emergence of kind of like this in-town Atlanta also. So for me, um, it's really looking at that and looking at our leadership and saying, I'm not too sure that they really reflect or understand fully the new lifestyle that many Atlantans really want in our city. And I'm not too sure that that's something that they can really learn overnight um, because it's, it's a lot. Um, one great example is like they city council went to Las Vegas to learn about their BRT line. Um, bus rapid transportation. Um, I don't think that that was the best place to go to learn about world-class transportation. And that's the type of stuff that I'm talking about, just not being fully in touch. So for me, I looked at the race and at that time it was just, I think Goldberg was in the race. And I said, we really need somebody that fully understands the city. Um, not just, again, the Northeast and the Southwest, but this new Atlanta that is very much here that people want. When I left to go to New York, Atlanta, um, there was no Beltline. Pond City Market had windows busted in it still. There was no West Midtown. There was no Upper West Side. Literally, I remember we would go to Piedmont Park on Sundays. We would go to maybe Lenox Mall on Saturdays and a few house parties. That was it. There weren't all these food halls to go to that didn't exist. So I think now we have all of this and what the Beltline, in my opinion, has kind of shown a lot of Atlanta is that we can have that everywhere throughout Atlanta. So why am I running? It's because we need somebody that really understands this new Atlanta that is here um, and that people really want and, and, and being able to, to usher that into to the new era of, of where we're going. Um, and who am I? Um, hmm. I am 31 years old. I live in the heart of downtown with my dog, Zion. He's at home right now sleeping. I wish I could have brought him. You could have brought um, him? I, you know what? I was going to, but it was so much going on. I took the scooter over, but um, um, I take public transportation everywhere. That is my heart. Um, so you'll see me on the scooter probably all day, every day with two bags coming from Publix um, or on the train. Um, families from Dade County, Liberty City. So shout out 305. So that is very much um, a big part of who I am. Um, if you know Liberty City, if you know Dade County, then you really know what that's about. Um, my family, when we moved to Georgia, we moved because the Atlanta area was better. It was at a time, I mean, I'm 31 now, but we moved at a time where Atlanta was very up and coming. 
everybody, if you were black and you were professional, you wanted to be in Atlanta for a better life. So that was why we came to Atlanta for what a lot of people know now is like the old Atlanta. That's what we came for. So that is um, who I am. What else? Um, I have a background in real estate. I've worked in real estate development. I've worked in affordable housing. Um, in New York, I worked on a small project called the Queenslink similar to the Beltline, where you're reactivating these train tracks and you're bringing affordable housing and bike lanes and all this great thing. So that is, that, that's who I am. <laughs> so you mentioned when you all, when your family moved to Atlanta, Atlanta was a spot for, you know, black uh, professionals to come to. Yep. Do you feel that Atlanta is still that? Yes, I think that, Atlanta definitely now has become, without a doubt, a place that everybody wants to come to. And I think a part of that is because costs uh, relative to other cities like a New York or a San Francisco, whereas before, as I said, Atlanta wasn't necessarily viewed as, as this world-class city. But now it really and truly is, so I think we're seeing everybody looking at Atlanta from New York, people that have million dollar townhouses and they're looking at Atlanta and they're saying, I can get that same thing for 500,000 and still have a similar lifestyle. And especially now, again, that Atlanta has grown up. Now you can actually maybe walk to your local Whole Foods, whereas five years ago that did not exist. So I think Atlanta is now or has become a place that everybody wants to be a part of, I think that it can, and it is still a place that Black people can still prosper in also. But I think that the moniker, unfortunately, of Atlanta being a Black Mecca, that has definitely changed, kind of, sort of, never really existed. But as of today, that is not the case anymore. But that doesn't mean that Black people still can't come and prosper just like they did back in the 80s or the early 90s when Atlanta was really doing well. Got it. Um, so tell me about, I, I know transportation's a big interest area for you. Uh, I'm going to table that just for a little bit. Tell me some of the things or some of the uh, reasons why you're running from a policy standpoint. So three reasons. Um, I believe right now our city has three crises. We're in a housing crisis. We are in what I'm calling a transportation crisis. And we're in very much a commerce or a business crisis. Um, my background is in real estate. I've worked in housing. Um, personally, I've been homeless. And I don't knock anyone that has lived in a car, couch surfed. I have the experience of living in homeless shelters, in SRO single room occupancies and knowing what it's like to actually get in the system and be able to get out of the system. So when we look at housing, housing is a system. Um, rather, we're talking about on um, our unsheltered population and unsheltered housing. Rather, we're talking about luxury housing. Housing is a system. And my background and experience just gives me that, that, that ability to really look at it as a system and say, this is what we need to do. This is the plan. And not just 
consider ideas in theory or in four walls of academia, but understanding the experience that needs to be connected with that. So one area for me is just really rebuilding, I'm calling our housing system in all areas, our unsheltered population, ensuring that our middle class have pathways to home ownership, those that are already in homes, making sure that they can keep home ownership. So it's really rebuilding the entire housing system. And then it's, of course, reconnecting transportation. We'll talk about that. But lastly, it's also what I'm saying, reinvesting into our business um, economy. So we have our startup businesses, we have our entrepreneurs, we have our mid-sized businesses, and we also have our large corporations. So we need to look at all the different sets that we have and really um, deliver on policy that works for those groups of people. What a what a, a startup company needs is not the same as what a mid-size or a small business needs. And what a large corporation needs isn't the same as what, I don't know, a multi-billion dollar conglomerate really needs. So we really need to look at our commerce system and break it down more into silos and deliver on policy that makes sense for each of those silos. And just a quick note, one, I'm talking to one of the major companies and what they tell me is that Atlanta why they're bringing or importing talent is that Atlanta doesn't have the talent pool that they're looking for. And I say, well, how is that even possible? When you have an AUC, you have Clark, Spellman, Morehouse, Morris Brown is back in the game now. You have Georgia Tech, you have your engineers, your nerds, we love them, they're doing their thing. You have Emory with your doctors, you have SCAD with your artists, Georgia State has the business students. It's impossible, and all within like a five mile radius even, it's impossible that our city doesn't have the talent pool. For me, it's we're not highlighting and putting on display our talent in the best way that we can. And then if we're really looking at APS, it's doing the same thing, ensuring that the best and the brightest, or all of them really have new pathways. We've been pushing them so long towards the collegiate path. Well, now there's the trade path, there's the entrepreneur path, we really have to reset that. So coming back around to our commerce, it's really reinvesting again into our commerce system in all ways and breaking it down into silos and delivering on policy that makes sense for each of those groups. So do you have some policy ideas for each of those? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, so one, I'll say um, on my website, if you've been... Um, all of my policy is there. So if you want to go know, ahead, plug the site. Yeah. Okay. Sharp, <laughs> S-H-A-R-P-E dot vote, um, sharp dot vote. But honestly, all of my policy is there. And I remember somebody said to me one time, they're like, you're very policy driven. I was just like, well, you're running for a legislative seat. You know what I said to them? <laughs> I said, this is just like life experience for me when I'm literally writing the policy. I'm just thinking about like, what, how does this work for me? And how does this improve? And then going back and figuring out, okay, how do you make it last sound good and look good and really make it into a real policy? So I do have the healthcare policy. I do have the, um, the education policy, transportation policy. It's all there. But if we're talking about like one policy in particular, um, um, my reparations policy. I may be maybe the only candidate that really has a comprehensive reparations policy. Um, what is your reparations policy? So I'm glad you asked. Um, so it's really about, um, I mean, I won't get into the complexity of it, but anyone in the city of Atlanta, um, despite color, um, that is making under $35,000 would have access to a fund called the equity fund. And how it would work is it's not cash, but we're talking about building wealth and building legacy. So the three areas we need to be focused on are providing people with 
with uh, home ownership, providing people with ways for transportation and also business. So how it's going to work is you'll be able to go to, well, more than likely look to set it up with Invest Atlanta, but you'll go to Invest Atlanta. Here are my requirements. Really no requirements at all. Just, hey, I'm making under $35,000. i am not making living wages. And you may qualify or you'll get a voucher or, or down payment assistance for a home. Or you'll go and you'll be able to get a grant to be able to start a business. Or when it comes to transportation, you'll be able to city maybe to give you a rebate of four or five hundred dollars, like they're doing in California for an e-bike or an e an electronic car, because everybody just isn't going to be in public transportation, and that's okay. But I think when we're talking about reparations, I'm not talking about cash. I want to just give people what they actually need, and in my opinion, that is housing, and people need jobs or ways to make income. And then people also need a way to be able to get around. So as a city, I feel like if you're going to really deliver on something, that's what we deliver on. And why I'm inclusive of all people and not just black people is because throughout history, many different groups of people have been discriminated or left out of the conversation from women to immigrants to youth to essential workers, many people are left out of the conversation and even single people, like the economy is built where, okay, if you ha get married, you have kids, you get tax breaks. It's like, well, what about me? I'm not there yet. So it's almost in many ways, the system is rigged against these groups of people. You have this American dream that says that they can access it, but they can't access it actually because it keeps on moving and they're left behind. So we have to do something to at least elevate these groups of people so that they're on the same playing field. And that's something that we've never done. Got it. So now we're going to talk about your favorite policy, transportation. Uh, so you, you yes. mentioned housing and housing and transportation costs are very closely aligned. So from a legislative and policy standpoint, what would you do to tackle the two together, housing and transportation? Um, hmm. I guess I'll start with just saying that when it comes to transportation, we definitely need to lay out a new and comprehensive plan. Um, and, and what I say by that is I mean going to each of our NPUs and also going to all 242 of our neighborhoods and really giving them a new transportation plan. Don't we have lots of plans, though? We do, but not one that's really inclusive. Um, one that's inclusive of bike lanes and sidewalks and potholes, a fully inclusive transportation plan. Um, and a new one, and even the plans that we have, I don't believe we've done the best job um, when it comes to community engagement and really showing it to the community and, and getting true feedback I'll be honest, I mean, MARTA does many studies and surveys. I'm not too sure how equitable those surveys are, where the surveys are being taken place, which train stops. There's a lot more to it. As I go out and especially knock on doors, it's a very different story, and especially when you're out there knocking on doors. What the surveys many times remind me of are the people that have the time and the energy many times to make it to those meetings. And even when we do the community outreach, we're going to select stations. We're not going to all the stations. We're not going to all the bus routes and especially the bus routes that are underserved. So I think sometimes our data isn't as um, accurate or aligned as it should be. So that's why I say that we do need a new comprehensive plan that we're bringing back to the NPUs and back to 
all the neighborhoods in the same way we should have done the zoning code, going neighborhood by neighborhood, MPU by MPU, and figuring out what works best for those neighborhoods. So I think that kind of going back to the question of policy and how do the two connect, I think that it's laying out both plans, really, a new housing plan and a new transportation plan. And I think that I believe in, in many ways... Yeah, I don't think I can even explain how how they connect. Maybe maybe a different question a little bit. Yeah, so so I, I say the how they connect because typically housing and transportation costs are the two highest uh, parts of a family budget, yes. right? Outside of food, obviously, but housing and transportation combined make up the bulk uh, often of a family's budget. And so when you think about policy... How do you like what kind of policy would you be introducing that addresses both the housing needs and the transportation needs? Okay. And an example of that might mm. be Amir Faroki, a city council member. He in has introduced legislation um, that would change zoning within a quarter mile of a rail station. Right. Right. And the idea behind that is if you're within a quarter mile of a rail station, we can build more dense housing mm -hmm. and you don't need to have as many parking spaces because you're so close to transit, right? And that might make that house a little bit more affordable than if it were, say, a half a mile away or more than a mile away. Mm -hmm. I think yes and no to that. I think the, um, in the city of Atlanta, we haven't reached, there's the theory of supply and demand, uh, especially when it comes to housing. Um, I'm not too sure in Atlanta we are subscribed to that theory quite yet um, because of our affordability in comparison to many other cities. Um, so, so that's one. I think that housing and transportation are connected, certainly, but I think that the way that I go about addressing them, I would say, is separately, but they are connected. To your point about the Amir Faroqi's rezoning, what I know in just living in New York is in comparison to Atlanta is if we build a 10 unit building in Atlanta, that means 10 or 15 more cars are coming versus a New York or a San Francisco. You just might get 10 new people only. And that's makes a difference when it comes to how we're going about our zoning and just being able to do it as a swath rezoning. And that's why I say that it's really important for us to go neighborhood by neighborhood because Atlanta's neighborhoods are so unique that if you go to a Candler Park where it's mostly a bungalow, bungalows versus right next door, you have an Edgewood and there's more craftsman style. So I think that, sure, you can do a rezoning of a quarter mile or half a mile from a rail station. I'm not too sure in Atlanta, Georgia, that we are going to really see the impact that we are looking to see. And I think that going even further in our city, I think that there are, because of our underinvestment in our infrastructure and underinvestment in our transportation system, there are just other implications. And a great example of that being on an MPU call with somebody, there was an officer that was saying, our traffic is so bad in our city that our officers and EMTs can no longer even respond across zones in time. So I think that going back to kind of our rezoning, we can do it, but I think that we have to be way more thoughtful about it, and especially in a city where we have streets that are still completely flooded. So what does it look like when you add 
10 new units or 20 new units maybe because maybe both of them are across the street from each other and you have 20 new cars that are on a road that doesn't have sidewalks and has always had potholes in it. So Atlanta, for in my opinion or my experience in comparison to other cities, we have to be just a lot more thoughtful um, in the way that we go about our rezoning, in the way that we do any of our projects. So let's say you get elected to the city council. Uh, you apply for the committees that you want to serve on. I imagine transportation will be one of those committees. Uh, what, is, what are some of the first pieces of legislation you introduce on the transportation committee? Uh, I'm calling them super bikeways. So um, one super bikeway going north uh, south on Piedmont. Another super. What is a super bikeway? Super bikeway. Yes, I'm a bad. Uh, two way protected bike lanes. So protected planter, protected bike lanes, fully painted with green lights, like a real. So there's some separation between a, the bike and the car. Yes, full separation between the bike and the car. It really functions more almost like a bike um, expressway almost. So we have one going north south. We have one going east-west on Ponce, all the way going over to Hollowell. And then we have a crosstown one that rides down one of our ridges. So that's Marietta curving down and coming up on DeKalb that way. So that's about 40 miles of bike lanes that we can do. And I think that um, it'll transform our city. Um, We have so many bikers now, um, but our infrastructure just doesn't allow for them to even have an enjoyable bike ride um, or a safe bike ride, that that is even. So that's the first piece I want to get out there. Number two is sidewalks. Um, we don't have sidewalks. I have many friends that are disabled, and I'm regularly helping them get around the city. And it is hell getting a wheelchair across a broken sidewalk or up a hill or just in a place that doesn't have a sidewalk and having to cross the street, go down, cross back over just to go 500 feet or 200 feet. So number two is definitely sidewalks and looking at getting them implemented really around most of our schools. Um, I think that'll be one of the more important areas. But then secondly, around a lot of our senior citizen um, homes and just in areas in general where our senior citizen population is a little bit higher. So bike lanes, sidewalks, um, and then uh, the streetcar. Um, But not the streetcar extending to Pont City Market, um, but actually the streetcar extending just to different points on the Beltline in general. I feel that the Beltline has changed so much where people just need access to the Beltline in general. And once they get to the Beltline, it's very much their decision of where they want to go on the Beltline. Um, But I feel like our money should really be spent on expanding the streetcar in multiple different directions so we can connect at different points to the Beltline, which I believe is Atlanta. Some people call it our beachfront. I call it our boardwalk more so because it does function and look more as a boardwalk. So that's what I want to do. Those are the three pieces, bike lanes, sidewalks, and getting the streetcar extended to the Beltline in different directions. Got it. So on the bike lanes, what do you say to someone that says, you know, do we really be investing in bike lanes Mm. and aren't cyclists just getting my way? Hmm. <laughs> what do you lot, say to them? I have a lot to say to them. What do you say to them that's nice? Um, <laughs> I would right. I would say that um, our city needs a culture change um, around people that are biking and walking in general. 
I think you will go to other cities. Um, of course, I plug New York a lot because that's where I spent time. But I've, I've also spent time in Seattle. I've spent time in Zelamsi in Austria. And what I notice is, one, it's a culture shift. And just people have to know or understand that, hey, we're a city. People bike and people walk. And I think that a part of that is our elected officials right now just doing a PSA, uh, a press conference, just saying those words, hey, Atlanta, people bike now and people are walking. Just be careful. And I think even with that, we probably need to do a year-long campaign just for the culture shift alone. That's what I would say. I don't blame people in the city for almost hitting me. I mean, I'm pissed about it, but when you're in the South, just you're not used to people walking or biking. You're just not. So now people over the last 10 years are popping up and people have bikes and these scooters and the mindset still hasn't shifted though. So I think we need to shift the mindset first. And I think that that would dramatically change what people think and feel about bikers and even the support for bikers and getting bike lanes in our city. Hell, it'll get the bikers out of their way in many, many ways right. where they can just get to where they're going and not have to worry about them. So if anything, that's what I say. And let us get the bike lane so you can get where you're going and us bikers can just be safe. Yeah, got it. Um, and the same thing around buses, right? So MARTA mm -hmm. is in the middle of a bus network redesign. There's a lot of conversation around dedicated bus lanes. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you were for? Yeah, um, I'm all for... Um, I'm all for bus lanes. I'm all for getting things done the right way. What scares me about a lot of Atlanta's projects is that we don't do them the right way um, or all the way, and it ends up looking like a failure. I love the streetcar. It works for me. I live downtown, so I'm on it going to the municipal market, going to Edgewood. It works for me, but does it really connect neighborhoods and people? It doesn't. And it also say where, where well, it's, it's a short route. It's a short route. But I mean, for me, it's to say, where are even the elected officials say, Hey, this is just phase one. Right. Which it was, which it, which it was. And, yeah. and it's still, and it's a, in my opinion, and you talk to transportation, it's a great place to start a phase one, but many people don't understand that it was phase one of a much larger system. So it looks like, okay, that's not going anywhere. And I say the same thing about, you know, our, our, our summer Hill BRT right now. I love it. It's going to be our first BRT line in our city. It was supposed to go all the way to Midtown at one point. Now it's cut down where it's just going to connect to downtown. That concerns me a lot. How many people are really coming from South Atlanta to go downtown? And what concerned me even more as a transportation rider is just the connection that's there. So I worked on that project. So okay. I have some thoughts okay, about no, that. No, okay. okay. <laughs> what I will say about it, though, going to the latest BRT project, again, it goes into that's just phase one. It, that's just where we need to. So there needs to be a lot more education. Absolutely. If we're, if we're and then maybe moving a little bit faster. Always moving faster. That's, that, that's every project and everything right. in Atlanta. I mean, that starts with just getting everybody on the same page. But it definitely, for me, it goes to a lack of just education around what we're doing in our city, um, especially when it comes to transportation. We have great projects that are happening all around, but people don't understand them. So we won't have the support for them. And it's also calling things what they are, um, where you have a 
T-Splosh, um, which is a the transportation tax, basically, is what it is, just to keep it simple. Then we also have the more MARTA tax, which is just for MARTA and rail. But a lot of times we haven't done a great enough job in explaining that T-Splosh also may go towards sidewalks and bridges and roads. And we're not setting the expectation that some of that money may not go to rail like we want or these other great projects, but we need to be focused more on more MARTA, which is dedicated just towards our rail and our bus. But when we don't call things what they are, people get confused. Well, we've raised all this money. I thought we could use it. And it's like, well, we can't use it on that, actually, because this goes to some roads and sidewalks. And as we know, many times those projects are going to take priority. So helping the folks understand the budget, the the different taxes, what they're used for. Right? Just talking about it. I think to, to answer a question, yes, definitely educating them, but just talking about it. Every elected official has an Instagram. Everybody's verified now. Let's get some, I don't know, ride the bus for a day and put it on. Get on a bike for a day and put it on. Go to, a, I don't know, a board meeting and show that you are there. Just show people. We talk so much about leadership. Do it. People love to follow. I, I I get it. Like I'm looking up to our leaders. Even everybody does. So show us. Use your platforms and show people what's going on in the city. It doesn't have to be this drawn out education thing. Thirty seconds. I'm on a bus. I'm on a train. You should try it too. I'm Boom. on a boat. Wherever wherever you are, right? <laughs> Got it. Um, that was an old Foursquare joke. I'm dating myself. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jareem, if you could wave a magic wand and mm. fix one thing in Atlanta, what would you do? This is going to sound crazy, but um, I would wave it and reorganize our city. Um, our city is highly disorganized. Departments don't talk to each other. Offices don't talk to each other. We don't have the right boards. We have a MARTA board, which is focused on rail and, and, and more buses, but we don't have a board that's focused on like sidewalks or bike lanes. We don't, we're not organized as a city and a lot of things end up falling through the cracks. Our talent that big companies are saying we don't have ends up falling through the cracks. So we have to really reorganize our city and ensure that our departments and offices not only are doing what they say they're supposed to do, but they're talking, they're connecting. In Atlanta, the biggest thing I noticed, and one of the real reasons why I got into the race is that nobody wants to play point guard in Atlanta. Nobody wants to actually bring the ball down the court and make the play, see the court, make sure everybody's connected. Everybody wants to work separately. And that's from the county to the city to the district offices. Nobody wants to work together. And... I feel like that comes in with just why our city is so disorganized, where it is today. We have all the resources, all the talent, hella money, excuse my language, in our city. But when we can't organize it enough, when there's no concrete plans in place and a vision, it doesn't work. We end up with exactly what we end up with today, where the Atlanta DOT has sometimes no idea what the planning department is doing. Atlanta Housing Authority certainly doesn't know anything about what MARTA, the MARTA board is doing. 
Nobody's talking. Nobody's attending each other's meetings. Uh, the new CEO, um, I think, I guess from Atlanta Housing Authority. Eugene even, Jones. Yeah, he Eugene, he even put up a tweet like, well, no one's come to the Atlanta Housing Authority meetings. By the way, I have actually. Um, and he was go, blessing uh, mayoral candidates. Right, 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 yeah. right. Um, but for that, I was like, he's right, though. How can you talk about any agency in your city, especially MARTA, my beloved MARTA, when you're not at their meetings? I go to the Atlanta uh, Transportation Authority link meetings. I don't see anybody there. So how can we talk about transportation, talk about housing and all these things, affordable housing, making it better, bike lanes, no one's talking or at the actual meetings with the agencies. So that's impossible for things to really get done. Got it. Jareem, if you are elected to the city council, you'll be working closely with obviously your fellow council members, a council president and a mayor. So what are you looking for in a council president and a mayor? I want someone that has true life experience. That's what I want more than anything. You can learn how to legislate. Uh, you can learn all about policy. You can learn a lot of things. We need people that have experience now across the board, real life experience. I'm not talking about, oh, I work for a big company. Nah, I mean, like, you've been out there, you know what it's like. And I'm not saying you have to be homeless, but you know what it's like to be on a bus or wait in the hot sun because there's no bus shelter there. Or you, we need people that understand that so that our policy isn't always written in this theory. In this four walls of academia, we need people with experience writing policy to say, okay, I won't, I, I don't do it. There are people in my race that talk about what they have, um, what us, some of us new candidates have proposed they've already performed. But what I say to that is, what's the, the, the performance? Like, what's the grade on the performance? And to be specific, the policy, you can do a thousand pieces of legislation, but is it effective? Is it actually touching the people that it needs to touch? Like uh, Invest Atlanta, we have tons of programs, but do they work? Are the credit score requirements too high? How much paperwork are y'all making people submit to even get in the door? How many classes do you want them to go to in the middle of the day so that they can learn the education first? They can't do all of that. So we have this policy, that's great. But we got to make sure that the policy is working and that you're writing the policy in a way that is actually going to be effective. And I believe the only people that can truly do that are those that have that life experience or those that are really willing to listen to those that do surround themselves with people that have that life experience. So that's what I'm looking for in a mayor, in a city council president. And I want people that just want that job also. I don't, I'll be very, I don't want uh, somebody that's running for city council president that then wants to run for mayor next. I don't want that. I want somebody that just wants to run for president because that's where they see themselves. That's what they believe in. That's what they know. And the same thing for mayor. I want somebody that that's what they want. Um, they and, and maybe they haven't wanted it all their life, but they know that that's where they need to be for this moment. And I think there's only a few candidates that have that that honesty and that true experience to be able to deliver to deliver on what we need in our city right now. Got it. In closing, Jareem, tell me 
if you get elected and you serve, you know, let's just say eight years, so two terms, what do you want Atlanta to look like? I want Atlanta to really and truly be a place where everyone across America, if not the world, is running to because we got it right. We were able to get our housing system right. Even if you're homeless and you need to come to Atlanta, that's fine because we got that right. We know exactly how to get that for you and where to put you, how to work you through the system. That's what I, I want it to just be a place where everyone can really look at Atlanta. It doesn't matter who you are. Black, white, uh, disabled. Atlanta should be the place where any group of, or person can look and say, that's where I want to be. And more specifically because Atlanta has these 242 unique neighborhoods and you can pick which one you want to be in. You want to be in a neighborhood that is single family, we got it. You want to be in a family with strollers all over the place, we definitely got it. But that's what makes Atlanta the most special place. And that's what I want Atlanta to look like after my four or eight years. Um, a place where people can look and see themselves and decide where they want to uproot and place themselves in our city without it causing the pain that it has caused over the decades when it comes to just displacement. It doesn't have to be like that. Um, and that's, that's what I want it to look like. Got it. <laughs> Dream, thank you for joining me on the pod. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, Elena. Right now, our city really sits at a crossroads. And we have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get it right. In this race right now, not just my race, but in all of the races, we have really great candidates. And I really feel like this is maybe a once-in-a-lifetime shot for us to get it right. So what I say to that is, yes, I am running for Atlanta City Council Post 1 at large, and I'm going to do the best job when and if I am elected in office. But what I will say is that at the end of this, all of the candidates that are running right now, or at least most of them, I plan on still working with all of them, and I'm hoping that we can all work together. What I know is that there are half a million people in our city, and there are less than 100 candidates that are actually running. There's no excuse or reason why we shouldn't all be working together, even after this election, to really make our city the best place in the world.